Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. And we're going to continue our series in the book of Jonah in just a moment. This is uh, wave number five that we're going to look at. I want to uh, just highlight a couple of things. One is uh, invite everybody out to our all-church prayer meeting this Wednesday night. We want to pray for world peace. We want to pray for peace in our families. Amen. And uh, quite frankly, if the last two uh, Husky games are any indication, we may need to pray for my Husky football team. Uh, We may weave weave that in just a little bit. Um, I want to also lend my voice to say thank you to everybody that made yesterday such a great uh, outreach opportunity, just a fun way to uh, let people know in our community that we're here, we care about them. This might be the greatest trunk of the entire uh, event. Can you notice this? We've got a Jonah theme. Uh, Take a look at that. Take a close look. Joppa, Nineveh, Tarshish. I don't remember seeing Disneyland in the Bible, but you know, uh, maybe it's there if you look hard enough. Uh, but uh, these guys, I think, won the, uh, the trunk of the uh, year award. Uh, give Steve Raglan and his crew a big hand. Would you do that? That was fantastic. We've been talking about survival. You know, we can barely survive in life if we choose to, or we can live beyond survival. Some people sink and don't give a second thought to it. You know, they, they don't dream God's dreams. They don't make godly decisions. They don't move in a God-honoring direction. They don't end up at a God-honoring destination and don't fulfill their God-ordained destiny. And, and they seem to be fine with that, or they don't know what to do about it. Others barely tread water out in the middle of the ocean, and they're barely, barely swimming. Um, barely, barely swimming. And others say, you know what? God wants more. God wants me to soar. God wants my marriage to soar, my family to soar, my education to soar, my finances to soar, my testimony, my faith, my service, my generosity. God wants all of that to soar. We've been looking at the nine waves of life, and uh, week one we talked about dreaming God's dreams. You know, nothing starts happening until somebody starts dreaming. And like the relentless waves of the sea, you know, the the dream of God continues to pound heavily upon our heart and mind, and we have to decide whether or not we're going to pursue it. And then there's the wave of decisions. Are we going to make God-honoring decisions to step out that particular dream in our life? And I want you to think globally about it. You know, God has a dream for your faith. He has a dream for your ministry, your service, your generosity, certainly your marriage and family and career. God has a, has a dream for all that, and he wants, you to, he wants you to make, he wants me to make God-honoring decisions that move us in that direction. And as we move in that direction, we'll end up one time at a destination. That's wave number four. And the hope and prayer of all of our lives is that we will fulfill wave number five, God's destiny for our lives. You know, the word destiny can kind of be a little bit esoteric, and I want us to try to bring it a little closer to home here today as we talk about the fact that God has a destiny for every one of our lives. Back in spring, you know that Lisa and I led a uh, uh, team from our church of 42 people to the Holy Land, and uh, I'm glad we went then, uh, and we weren't planning it for next spring. We need to be praying for Israel, praying for the Middle East terrible, terrible stories there. But while we were there, many of us traveled on to Egypt, and there we saw in Giza the Sphinx and, and the pyramids. We traveled down to Luxor, to the Valley of the Kings, and took in all of that. It was just amazing. You know, I found myself thinking a lot about that, and, and I was thinking specifically here this past week about uh, the pyramids. You know, built 
what, 2500 B.C. perhaps, required millions of blocks of stone over a football field high, 2.5 tons per each block, individually hand cut. And I thought to myself, how do you build a pyramid? Block by block. You build the pyramid block by block. How do you build a life? Block by block, or dream by dream, decision by decision, direction by direction, destination by destination. How do we build a destiny? How do we build the life that God desires for us? You know, imagine a a pyramid that's half built like this one, or imagine a pyramid that's kind of broken apart and, and kind of demolished versus a completely erect pyramid that's in full form. Imagine that be a a metaphor for our lives. You know, what is the condition of our life? What is the trajectory of our life? Think about that a little bit with me today, would you? The wave of destiny pounds relentlessly. We don't have any time to waste. You may be young and think you have a lot of time to waste. You don't have any time to waste. I don't have any time to waste. None of us have any time to waste. We can make more money, but we can't make more time. It's an exhaustible resource. We didn't maximize, make the most out of every opportunity if we're going to fulfill God's dream and destiny for our life. I was thinking of some incredible destiny verses, and I came up with these five that I want to give you here as we kind of work our way into this message. Remember Joseph? We talked about him week number one in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. He said in chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph stepped up and fulfilled his God-given destiny, and he saved the people of God. Literally, he saved them. He saved the Israelites. His brothers wanted to kill him, sold him into slavery, hoping he would die, forgot all about him, thought he was done and dead, And their younger brother comes back. He's back alive. But God had a purpose. He had a destiny for Joseph. How about Abraham? Abraham had everything going. He had power and prestige and status and finance and land and a large family. But God says, I want you to leave Ur, travel to Haran, and on over to to Canaan. And I'm going to establish a brand new nation. You are going to be a father of a new nation. I will bless you and make you into a great nation and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. Abraham stepped out and fulfilled God's destiny for his life. How about David? David had ups and downs. But I love the verse in Acts chapter 13 where it says, David fulfilled God's purposes in his generation, and then he died. What a powerful epitaph. He fulfilled God's purposes. He accomplished God's destiny for his life. And then he died. How about Paul's destiny? Paul's life could be split in two. Kind of before Christ, he was a Christian killer and a hater of Christianity. And then he comes to Christ. He sees the light. And from that point on, he's a follower of Christ like none other. Here's a destiny verse for Paul. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. Or how about Esther? Esther is just minding her own business. She's a Jew. She 
is entered by her cousin into a beauty pageant. She's selected as the most beautiful of the land and made queen. And all of a sudden, Mordecai, her cousin, learns of a plot to kill all the Jews, all of her people. And Mordecai says, you got to go to the king. And you've got to defend your people. She says, I will go to the king. And even though it's against the law, if I perish, I perish. She fulfilled her destiny. I want to give you an assignment this week. What is your destiny verse? I want you to pick a verse. You can pick two. I'll let you pick two. Verses in the Bible that are your destiny, verses that you will hold on to, that will become one with you, that will be your pursuit, that you will champion the rest of your life. One of them for me is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. What's your destiny verse? Here are five. You can choose one of these. In the book of Jonah, chapter 3, I want to just give you some highlights. In chapter 1, Jonah's running from God. He finds himself in the belly of the whale in Jonah chapter 2, and, uh, and uh, he, he makes things right with God. He repents. How many of you would join me in, if you found yourself in the belly of a whale, you too would repent? Can I see any hands out there? And in chapter 3, we see that he starts to turn his life around. And in verses 1 and 2, it says, the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He had a second chance. That's one of the great, great themes of the book of Jonah, a second opportunity. In fact, you might be here today and say, Rob, you're talking about dreams and destiny. I have blown it so much in my life. I have failed God so much in my life. God can't use me. I've blown it too much. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Jonah got a second chance. The Ninevites, who were worse uh, than anybody you could imagine, they got a second chance. The Bible's full of second chance opportunities. I want to challenge all of us right at the outset of this message to make the rest of our life the best of our life, to rededicate, recommit our life to Christ. Jonah did that in chapter 3. We see that the word comes to him a second time. He now obeys, verse number 3. If you have your text open, you'll see he obeys and he goes to Nineveh. It's a very large city. 120,000 inhabitants, probably 60 miles in circumference, and it takes him three days to preach the message. He proclaims God's message a little bit reluctantly because he didn't really want those terrible people to hear of God's grace, but he did it. And what happened? The king turned to God, then all the people, and just as Jonah predicted, they repented, and then God relented on bringing judgment on them and showed them compassion and empathy instead. They got a second chance. They turned to God. What a beautiful story. You know, Jonah had a journey. In chapter 1, it was about reluctance. And then, chapter 2, it's about repentance. Chapter 3 is about recommitment and rebounding. And then chapter 4, it's about rebuking God of all things and then reclining under a dying tree. How many remember that part of the story? It's an interesting story of a man who got some of it right, some of it wrong, some of it right, and then some of it wrong again. The point is, though, is that Jonah was made for this moment. Esther was made for her moment. 
David was made for his moment, as was Abraham, as was Paul, as was Joseph. And you and me are made for our moment. That's the point. We're made for this moment. What are we doing with it? That's the challenge of the day. Am I maximizing the opportunities God is affording me to make a difference for God and for good? Jonah almost wasted his life. He almost wasted his opportunity to fulfill God's purposes. He almost wasted his opportunity to fulfill God's destiny for his life. How about you and me? Are we wasting time? Are we wasting opportunities? Or are we maximizing them? The big question that I want us to ask ourselves here today is, am I more more like Jonah in chapter 1, or am I more like Jonah in chapter 3? Am I more pre-chapter 2 Jonah or post-chapter 2 Jonah? Am I more the reluctant character or am I more the repentant character? Making a difference is our destiny. Let's take it from the esoteric and the mysterious and let's just bring it down to where we live. Making a difference for God and for good is the destiny that God has for every single one of us. And the question of the day is, how well am I doing at fulfilling his purposes in my life? Making a difference is my destiny in my marriage, in my family, with my children, with my finances, with my faith, in my relationships, in my education, in my career. We could go on and on. Making a difference is my destiny. Like the waves of life that pound relentlessly, so destiny is something that pounds continuously day by day. It's important to think about our destiny on a regular basis. Why? Because dreams dissipate, vision drifts, problems beat the joy out of us. There's competing time demands that confuse us. Our vision gets clouded. We get confused. And so every day, we need to ask ourselves, God, am I dreaming your dreams? Am I making God-honoring decisions, moving me in a God-honoring direction that will result in me ending up in a God-pleasing destination, fulfilling a God-ordained destiny? Making a difference is our destiny. I love this quote. I don't know uh, who said it, but it's pretty funny. If your presence doesn't make an impact, your absence won't make a difference. How many like that one? I like the Mother Teresa one a little bit better. I alone can't change the world, but I can cast a stone across the water and create many, many ripples. Fulfilling God's destiny in our lives is going to require four things. And let let me juxtapose... Jonah and Esther a little bit here today. Each week I've taken a Bible character and and found myself just comparing and contrasting the two of them. You know, where Jonah got it wrong, others got it right more of the time. And I want to do that with Esther here today. The first thing that we learn from Jonah and Esther is that if we want to fulfill God's destiny for our life, we just need to make sure that we do not recuse ourselves from responsibility. 
Do not recuse ourselves for responsibility. Look at Esther chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. There was a plot to kill the Jews. You remember the story. Haman had gotten the ear of the king. And he said, you got to destroy these people. And the king says, yeah, let's destroy those people. Mordecai says, wait a second, the king doesn't even know that you're a Jew. Esther, you need to step into the fray and you need to defend the Jewish people. They're going to be annihilated if you don't. Esther and Jonah each had assignments. Jonah ran from responsibility. Esther ran to responsibility. Her life was in peril. In those days, according to the culture, nobody could go into the presence of the king unless summoned. So for her to go and say, hey, I got a problem, that was no go. You would be executed if you did that kind of thing. I I think of that and I ask myself a question I want you to ask yourself. In what area of my life am I recusing myself of responsibility? Moms and dads, how about it with parenting? Husbands and wives, how about in your marriage are you recusing responsibility and not working to advance and strengthen your relationship? How about in your finances? How about with your health? How about in your faith? Where are we recusing responsibility? Helping the poor, being generous with people in need, caring for those that need empathy. Are we spending our lives coming up with excuses like Jonah? Or are we finding ways to engage responsibility like Esther? Some of you maybe have heard of the phrase memento mori. It's a phrase that uh, the Romans used as generals would make their way into the city after a triumphal campaign. And they would have a, a slave or some kind of comrade on the back of the chariot And that person would continually state these words, memento mori, memento mori, which meant, remember, you're going to (laughs) die. How many like that? I mean, it was a great phrase to remind them of their mortality, remind them of of the need for humility, not to take themselves too serious, not to get big-headed, but remember, remember, you are going to die. It could happen any time. You know, what I like about that is a lot of people find that fatalistic and frightening and scary, and I get that, but, but why, why not talk about what we know is inevitable? We all are going to die, and so the point is, what am I doing with the time I have? Am I maximizing it? In fact, admitting that one day all of this is going to come to an end really challenges us to maximize the days that we have. Memento mori. Remember, you will die. Paul said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I like what Ralph Waldo Emerson said. He said, the purpose of life is not to be happy, it's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you've lived and lived well. You see, friends, making a difference is our destiny. And I want to encourage you to just ask yourself a question that I've been asking myself all week. Where am I making a difference? Where do I need to step up and make a greater difference for God and for good as I live to honor him in all things? 
The second thought I want to leave with you today is understand what God is asking you to do and then do it. Look at Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come from another place. This is Mordecai talking to his cousin. But you and your father's family are going to die. You can sit on your hands, Esther, but you're going to get wiped out. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai says those immortal words. Have you ever wondered why you were made queen? It's for this moment. This is your moment. Step up and do what God is asking you to do. Esther and Jonah, just compare those two. Jonah understood what God was asking to do and did not do it. Esther eventually understood what God was calling her to do, and she did do it. I know Jonah came around eventually. I know all that. But in this moment, I want you just to think of it in its most simple terms. God says go. Jonah says no. God says go to Esther, and she goes. It's a powerful compare and contrast. Esther stepped forward in obedience and courage. And I wonder if we're more like Jonah or more like Esther. That's the challenge here today. When God says to do something, we need to do it. When God says stop doing something, we need to stop doing it. What is God saying to you today? You say, well, I have no idea. Well, spend some time talking to the Lord and asking him what he wants out of your life. Moms and dads, that's a great prayer to pray with regard to your kids. Husbands and wives, powerful prayer to pray. Young people, vitally important prayer to pray. It might be a little bit too much for elementary kids to think of these nine ways, but you know, once you're in high school and moving beyond that, I don't know of a more powerful challenge than to think through our lives and ask ourselves, am I responding to these nine ways of life the way God would have me? Esther's purpose speaks to your and my purpose. Are we fulfilling God's purposes for our life? Make a difference. Leave a legacy. Make a mark. Be impactful to your family, to your church. Be a person of of virtue and testimony. Memento mori. Life is short. You too will die. When we think of that, we think of the importance of treating every moment as vitally important. To be in the moment with our children, to be in the moment with our spouse, to be a blessing to our church family, to be a blessing in our community, to be a blessing to strangers, to make a difference to the poor and the neglected. It's a time to treat our time as a gift and not waste it on the trivial and the vain. To remember that each photo we take with our iPhone could be our last. Each meal we have with a friend could be our last. You say, Rob, that sounds morbid. Is it really, though? If it challenges us to maximize every moment and every day and every week and every month, is it really? Or maybe it's the way we should think As we evaluate our life and say, Lord, you've given me precious few days, I want to maximize every one of them for God and for good. To bless my marriage and bless my children 
and honor God in all things. I can't think of a better thing to think about. God, help me maximize my days. Paul said it this way, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Jane Goodall said, what you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Great thought. Making a difference is our destiny. Number three, realize the spiritual importance of your role. I think this is a really important one. When you look at the story of Esther in verse 15, first part of 16 and 17, it says this, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Hey, cousin, go gather all the Jews that are in Susa, and I want you to fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my attendants will fast as you do. So Mordecai went away and carried out Esther's instructions. Esther realizes the spiritual challenge she is up against, and she says, I need God's help. She calls a fast. Jonah hears what God is asking him to do. He doesn't call a fast. He runs away as fast as he can. Those are two different kinds of fasts. How many know what I'm talking about? But just think about Esther. She calls a fast. She says, Lord, I am up against something incredible. God Almighty, I need your help. I think this is so important because every detail of your life and my life is spiritual. It matters to God. Think about it. Your body matters to God. Your health matters to God. The decisions you make about your finances matters to God. Your marriage matters to God. Your children matter to God. Your work matters to God. Your spiritual life matters to God. Your resentment matters to God. Your greed matters to God. Your anger matters to God. Your hatred matters to God. It all matters to God. Can I hear a big amen out there? I know this is getting through because it's really quiet. But isn't it true? It all matters to God. I'm preaching to myself as much as any of you here today. It all matters to God. And if it matters to him, it really, really should matter to me, all of it. Death, disease, disappointment, and how we deal with it matters to God. Fear, worry, anxiety, it's all spiritual. All of it is spiritual. And Esther realizes that and she says, God Almighty, I need help. I'm about to get executed, but I'm going to do the right thing. Jonah says, I'm checking out. I think a lot of times we ignore these kinds of things, or, or maybe we just don't think deeply enough about them, to realize that everything matters to God. The way I spend my time, the way I waste my time, the way I spend my money, the way I waste my money, the way I serve the Lord or don't, the way I bless my spouse or don't, the way I care for my children or don't, the resentment I harbor, the greed I entertain, all of that matters, all of it. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that the most chief end of man is to what? Glorify God. It all matters. All of our life matters to God. Memento mori, life is short, make it count. Ryan Holiday has written a book entitled Discipline is Destiny. And in there, he talks about mento mori 
And he has put together a calendar, listen to this, with 4,160 dots. What do those dots represent? 52 weeks of the year times 80 years. Assuming you live 80 years, there's a dot for every week of the year. And here's what he says about it. He says, by scratching off the memento mori calendar every week, you will see how much of your life you've already lived, but also how much you hopefully get left. Each week as you scratch off a new dot, it's an invitation to take inventory of the life you're living, the choices you're making, the choices you're not making. Wow. I've never acquired the memento mori calendar I don't have 4,160 dots. Was that the right number? Yeah. Up on, you know, my bulletin board. But I do think about those things. And I do ask myself, as I'm encouraging you to ask yourself, am I maximizing the time God's given me for God and for good? The psalmist said in Psalm 39, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. And Frank said, How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Making a difference is our destiny. Ask yourself, in what ways am I making a difference in the lives of the people around me? Maybe a larger concentric circle beyond that. In my church, through my church, in missions, through my missionaries, however you want to ask that question. Finally, live your life to obey God regardless of the cost. And of course, these are the immortal words from Esther chapter 4, verse 16. B, the second part of that verse, she says, after the fast, I'm going to go to the king, even though it's against the law. You know, Mordecai, I am probably going to get executed for this. She says, I'm going to go, even if it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. That is a price I'm willing to pay. That's the cost I'm willing to face. Because somebody's got to stand up and fulfill this responsibility to defend my people. Wow. Both had to go, Jonah and Esther. One said no. The other said yes. How about you and me today? You say, Rob, you're kind of hard on Jonah. Well, he is the Eeyore of the Bible, so, I mean, what can I say? Uh, you talk about a wet blanket, he's the definition of it. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, he got some stuff right, some stuff wrong. But probably the reason I'm hardest on him goes back to what I said the very first week of this series. There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And I want to amend that a little bit and say there's a lot of Jonah in all of us. You know, human nature is, I'll take the easy road, not the hard road. Self-preservation versus self-sacrifice. Self-centeredness versus service. All seen in Jonah, also seen in us. 
What is God asking you to do? Who is he asking you to become? Are we willing to fulfill God's purposes? God has a purpose, a destiny. We are raised up for such a time as this. The question is, will we fulfill our purpose like Esther did or not? Mental mori, life is short. It's a reminder that I desperately need to focus my life and not ignore the things God has laid upon my heart. None of us gets out of this life alive. (laughs) Now is the time to come to grips with it because now is the only time we have. If you're here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Don't put it off. If you want to maximize this opportunity and maximize your life and fulfill your destiny, give your all to Christ. Surrender all to Jesus. Allow him to come in your life, forgive you of your sins as he's done for me, and give you hope and a purpose and a destiny. 1 John 2.17 says, the, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I've read this quote by Edward Hale. It seems like my entire adult life, I just continue to see it, and it popped up again uh, as I was doing a little research this week. It says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And I don't let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. Making a difference is my destiny. This past Thursday, and I close with this story, I had the privilege of uh, leading a funeral service for a uh, great saint of our church, Harold Christensen. Harold's been a part of our church for 275 years, give or take, uh, a long time. And I made the statement probably six weeks ago, whenever it was, you know, when he first passed away, that, that everything that's good in this church has Harold's fingerprints on it. You know, deacon board, trustee board, building committee, Bethany Note Fund, you know, these facilities, the missions program, missions uh, uh, leadership team, supporting missionaries, caring for missionaries. Uh, he was just overexcited and thrilled about anything missions. I couldn't help but think this week as I was writing on Destiny I'm not sure that I know in my lifetime, and I have the privilege of knowing lots of wonderful people that have graced our church, but I'm not sure if there have been many that uh, have fulfilled their destiny quite like Harold. Like David of old, he lived to fulfill God's purposes and then he died. Loved others, cared for others, invested in others took care of one of his grandchildren that had some really severe medical and physical challenges. Just a dear saint of God. And I shared just one verse at his funeral and and talked about different parts of it, but it's the, the Paul destiny verse. And I said this, I said, you know, Paul wrote these words. He gets credit for writing these words but I'm going to give Harold credit for living these words. Because in my mind, he really did in such a beautiful way. I 
I consider my life worth nothing to me, only an aim to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. As a pastor, I find myself thinking from time to time about what I'm going to say at the funeral of certain people in our church when that time comes. And I've thought about Harold. I've held him in such admiration and deep respect. He never recused himself for responsibility. Whatever God asked him to do, he did it. I mean, all the things we talked about here today, he maximized his opportunities. He lived for God. He lived for good. He tried to bless other people. You know, a resume is what we write talking about ourselves, and we try to do that in the best way possible, obviously. But a eulogy is what people say about us after we're gone. What will people say about you? What will people say about me? You build a pyramid block by block. You build a destiny day by day, week by week, month by month. I want you to join me here in these closing moments as we bow our hearts and heads just to reflect for a moment, just to reflect for a moment on making a difference. My destiny is to make a difference. To make a difference like Harold did, like Esther did, like Paul and David and Abraham. And in his good days, Jonah did too. But am I maximizing the day, the opportunity? And, and, and as I pray and as you ponder, if there's an area in your life where you say, you know, I'm really missing the mark. I'm moving in the wrong direction. I uh, you know, made some bad decisions or, or uh, you know, I just really haven't honored my spouse or I haven't been what I need to be for my children or I'm not the child that I need to be in respect of my parents or I'm not being a faithful steward of the finances God has given me. I'm not being generous or caring for the poor and the downcast. I need to become a greater blessing to my church like Harold. I need to do everything I can to uplift my church so that together we can bless more and more people. Pray about it. Think about it. Ask God to shine a light heavy on your heart and life. And from this day forward, let's make the, the rest of our life the best of our life. Let's, let's dig in. Let's double down. Let's, let's become more dedicated and more committed than ever before to honor Christ and bless other people with the days that we have. Memento mori. It's not going to last forever. May I maximize my days. May I make the most out of every opportunity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question. How many are here today and would say, Pastor Rob, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I, I need to become devoted and committed to Jesus. Maybe you've known the Lord in the past and you're recommitting, or maybe today is your first time committing your life to Christ. You want to become a Christian and, and get your faith life squared away. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Everybody's heads bowed and closed. 
just raise your hand. Today I want to commit my life or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. It's a decision. It's a commitment that you're making to the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. I thank you for your thoughtfulness and your reflection. You may put your hands down. How many would say, Pastor, I'll pray for me. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. But you know, as we've been walking through this lesson here today and, and pondering Jonah and Esther, there's some areas in my life God has brought to my mind that I need to really, really reconsecrate to Jesus. And maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's, it's your children or, or, or maybe it's not your family, but it's more your, your personal life, your thought life or overcoming resentment or dealing with uh, virtue development in one area or another or maybe it's something totally different. You're a Christian today. But God has laid something on your heart that you want to really grow in. Would you just raise your hand? Just hold it there for a moment all over this place. Yeah, many of us, absolutely. I want to thank you for your honesty. Thank you for thinking deeply about these things. Imagine if every single one of us would go before God and say, God, you know me, grow me. I want more than anything in the world to be like you. I want to live, love, lead like Jesus. I want to uh, share the, the virtues of Christ. I want it to flow out of me. I want people to know me and see me and, and, and be aware of the fact that that person's a Jesus follower. And there's someone that is showing me the way of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Lord, I pray your blessing on every single person that's here today. Grow us in Christ. Help us to become the person that you've called us to be. May we make a difference for God and for good. May we make a difference. That's our destiny for God and for good. And we pray these things in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand here in the worship center. Our prayer team's going to come forward here. And our uh, tradition service and online services will close their services accordingly. God bless you, everybody. Let's sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed in just a moment. God bless you.